Hey, happy Friday, you guys. We hope you are having a great day, brothers and sisters of the Ask Us Nation. We have a jam-packed episode for you guys today. And Stefan's got this smirk on his face. I don't know why. What's so funny, bro? Why are you touching your thing like that? I fidget sometimes. <laughs> why you gotta... I could start roasting you right now about the things you've done today. You want to go into it, bro? <laughs> They're going to see it. They're going to see it They're going to see it. It's fine. We all have our things, bro. Uh, and the wise words of Stefan, get off me. Get off me. <laughs> That's what you say every time yep. I roast you. You're like, get off me. Yeah. Get off my back, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're not wearing your teal Vans today. You lied, by the way. You have another pair of Vans. I have another pair of Vans now. You went and bought those? Yeah. Chasey said that I needed new shoes because all of mine are so gross and dirty. Um, When did you get those? Because those look pretty dirty. They're from camp season. <laughs> oh, okay. So you wore them all through camp. Yep. That makes sense why they were wrecked so fast. Yep. I was going to say, they look like the, you've had them for a couple of years And they now. reek too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, guys, we have a tremendous episode for you guys today. We're going through chapter 15. We have some great takeaways talking about everything from our sin that leads us into isolation. Um, we also talk about this idea of standing up for those that um, are doing the right thing or are stepping up to the plate in a world that is constantly clashing against the ideas um, that we hold true in the Bible and supporting those around you that are being bold and choosing which side you want to be on. Because in the case of the Israelites with Samson, you see contrast to like Gideon and having 300 soldiers. There was 3000 Israelites that could have been ready to go to war with Samson, but they chose fear and they chose to stay back, which left Samson alone. And so like you have a choice in your life to either stand up for those that are doing the right thing, like leaders around you that are continually growing the kingdom and, and trying to make an impact. You can do that yourself too, but just supporting those around you. Like, are you going to be someone that sits back in fear of what people are going to say about you, what they're going to do to you? Um, or are you going to be bold? For the gospel because jesus tells us that it's not going to be easy so we talk about that and then we also talk about um strength and how no matter how strong we think we are in our faith no matter how many victories we think that we accomplish or conquer um, no matter how spiritually high we feel from camp or from a conference or from a season of life um, there's always going to be new battles to face and we're always going to be reminded that we are weak and that we have a flesh and that as long as we have that we need god every single day in the highs and in the lows we constantly need them so Stefan, i don't know if you have anything you want to add to that but um you want to back me up was this is a pretty solid episode it's a great episode and i was just thinking when you were saying that that our phrase for this episode should be stay ready stay ready stay ready <laughs> okay <laughs> okay guys stay ready <laughs> get off good, me good job <laughs> good job reverend Stefan. Uh, oh man gosh well Love it. Well, with that being said, Stefan, are you ready? I'm ready. Stay ready. I'm staying. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> Let's do this. All right, brothers and sisters, we are live in the lion's den at it again. And uh, just prior to this recording, that was a waste of two and a half minutes. We came to the conclusion that Stefan has a new name. It's his call sign, kind of a call sign because it's still your name. Actually, you, your name could be your call sign because it was Bob in Top Gun for those who would actually have seen it, not you. Uh, but he's going to be Reverend Stefan 
for now on. So whenever I'm like, Reverend Stefan, how you feeling today? You would say, <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. How are you I'm today? I'm doing very good. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't Wait. notice it, like Stefan has a slight accent because he's from Minnesota. And the one word that he always says really funny is already. Say already. 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 Okay. So, already. Okay. So I'm from Minnesota in the fact that I was born there, but I'm like Arizonan. Yeah. You still have an accent though. Like it's in some of the words that you say. I think it's just, I have a speech impediment, bro. You probably do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys don't know this, but I cut out all of the stutters that Stefan says. It's Dude, like, yeah. Uh, 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 um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, you do not have a speech impediment. I think there's just a few words. That I you think that accent. I just am really bad at pronouncing words. I mean, like, so what was it? So last episode, I was saying the word honorable, and every single time, every single time I said it, I was like, oh gosh, I think I'm saying that wrong. I think we, I think we understand it. We see you. Yeah, yeah. You so, anyways. Me. Uh, guys, we're jumping into chapter 15, uh, if you've been following along with us in this series, and uh, got some good stuff for you guys coming today. So we're carrying on the story of Samson and his um, detrimental impact on the Philistines and the Israelites. It seems like he just has negative impact in both directions. Um, but Samson, uh, from chapter 14, carrying on, at the very end of it, we basically see that uh, he gave in to his Philistine fiance and told her the answer to his riddle of that he had taken honey from a dead lion's carcass. And so in doing so, uh, he lost a wager that he had placed with the Philistines, and so he owed them 30 pieces of linen. And instead of him, like, going to the store and just buying, like, from Costco, like, 30 linen, he murdered 30 Philistines and took their clothes. I, I, I'm trying to think, like, was there blood all over them? There had to be. There had to be. It was total. It was an act of disgrace against the Philistines. It wasn't him being like, "Oh, okay, you won." It's like, no, this is a message to you that this is who I am. Um, just so dark. Samson is a dark character, dude. He's very dark. <laughs> he, if there was not. a movie about him, people would be like, "Same guy from <laughs> <laughs> same guy, right? Different versus a different last name." <laughs> uh, this is not what the Bible says. And then you're read it and be like, oh, crap. All those people that are like, yeah. I know the Bible. I read my VBS Bible. Um, he's strong. He's strong. No, but he uh, comes back after killing 30 of them and in a fit leaves and just goes home. Yeah. And then he comes back to visit his wife. And this is something that I read um, in my commentary is that sometimes in cultures, um, in a marriage, some of them would live with their spouse. And then sometimes in this culture, you would be married to someone, but you wouldn't live with them, but you would visit them occasionally. And so I think that that's where, in Samson's mind, he thought that that was normal. He might have assumed that as a relationship, mm -hmm. but her father didn't. And so instead, when she was left up on the altar with no one, the dude looked to his left and grabbed his best man and was like, all right, you two make love. So... Samson loses his best man to his Philistine fiance. And when he finds out about it and he comes back, he is outraged. He is in a fit because he had no idea that that was what had happened. And so what he does is he goes and he grabs 300. It says foxes. Sometimes it's translated as like jackrabbits. Either way, he grabbed 300 of them, tied them together and lit them on fire and then sent them through the fields of the Philistines that was like their olive orchards and their wheat fields and their wheat stacks and set everything on fire, which would be 
basically saying that he destroyed their livelihood because that's how they survive. Mm -hmm. That's their food. That's their resources. That's what they need. And he just, he sent a fat message to the Philistines about how outraged he was. And so after this happens, uh, he leaves and he, he finds himself living in the cleft of the rock of Atom. It's like a cave, basically. He Basi goes and lives in a cave. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of where our first takeaway kind of uh, takes place is, is just this isolation that Samson seems to find himself in. Like, Stefan, you want to break that down a little bit? Yeah. Well, first off, he, he feels like he takes things into his own hands and he just is this mean person and he goes into isolation. But like what you said before, that something that I kind of caught on is that he leaves his wife, he goes into isolation yeah. Then he comes back in his piss that not everybody's on the same page as him. I mean, he goes back to isolation. And I think something that I've noticed is people who are in isolation isolate themselves and blame other people for what's going on. Mm. Like, you're not reaching out to me. But if you, like, really check their inbox. Oh, that's huge. Like, people are reaching out to you. Yeah. Or, um, man, I'm so alone. But you're the one that bails on everybody all the time. Right. And so it's like the guys, the, the, the dad is saying, I thought you hated my daughter. The way yeah. that you've treated her is awful. But he comes back and he's like, wait, where's my wife? <laughs> like, yeah. he's no, with so -so? I've, seen, I've seen this so many times, especially with like, uh, I would say girls more than guys because girls are big thinkers. Guys just kind of like do life, right? Because there's just a giant rock in our head. Um, and girls will sometimes not reach out to their friends after a while. And they'll say that like the reason why they didn't reach out is because they're like, what? I knew you might've been like going through this or going through that. And I didn't want to like overstep the boundary or whatever. It's like, no, like you're making excuses and you're assuming the wrong things. Like I was hurting and I needed you, mm -hmm. but you, you didn't understand me. And you're using that as a cop out for why you're saying that like you wouldn't reach out. Yeah. Well, something that I actually deal with myself is something that I noticed is, um, I am terrible at replying to text messages. You <laughs> don't say. <laughs> I'm the worst. And anybody that knows me like knows that. And I actually have a struggle with this where like I am very much just I whatever's in front of me is what I'm going to pay attention to. Yeah. And I'm not somebody that spends my time on my phone and I could care less about texting somebody I could right. care less. But if I but someone who's with me, you get my attention. Yeah. Like I'm with you. Right. And so something that I struggle with is like I'll, I'll put someone on red for months and then like, I'll see them in person. I'm like, dude, what's up? How are you doing? And then they're like, I hate you. Oh, no. And I'm like, why do you hate me? Like, what's your problem? Like, <laughs> like talk to me. Like I'm, I'm in front of you. And then I'm realizing that like people care about their phone. Like they care about being replied to on a text message. So for me, I'm, I'm having to learn like kind of like what Samson did is like, man, to have good relationships, you got to put effort in on their terms. Yeah. Like, he should have been living with his wife. He should have been nice to the father-in-law. And even though he, in his mind, he thought he was doing it, like you said, like he thought culturally he was doing it right. Like, oh, I can come visit you whenever I want. Yeah. That's not how they viewed the relationship. Mm. And so I actually kind of have to learn from that of like, even though I could care less about text messaging, some yeah. people do care. And like, that matters to them. Yeah. Reply to my text message. Okay. <laughs> like I will. Bro, so when you ghost people, it hurts different, man. It hurts different, but there's, there's a lot of truth to that because I think, uh, I've noticed this a lot in my personal relationships, but also friends who have told me about other relationships that they've had that, um, like everyone wants to play the game 
of like the victim of my friends don't reach out to me anymore. No one wants to hang out with me. And I used to say this myself. I was like, well, let's, let's use a litmus test. Like don't respond or tell anybody about anything or don't talk to them at all and just see who reaches out because those are your true friends. <laughs> and over You're time, not hearing from me. <laughs> not hearing from me. And over time I just realized I was like, okay, sure. But those are like the exceptional human beings that like really put themselves out there to reach out to people and ask how they're doing. But the majority of us were still self-centered, focused on our own lives and our own things. It's a, it's one of those out of, out of sight, out, out of, of mind, mind kind of things. Yeah, and so that. if you don't see them on social media, if you don't see them like around church or around your community, then you're most likely not going to text them. And that's just normal life. But some people create these really unrealistic expectations in their mind where it's like, well, if you truly loved me and you truly cared about me, you would do X, you would do Y. And, uh, it's just, it's so true. We, we definitely set unrealistic expectations, but at the same time, seeing the flip side of it, be the one that takes initiative. Mm-hmm. Be the one that reaches out to people. If you want to be an exceptional friend, we've talked about this in, in a couple of episodes before about how to be a better friend. And one of the things we talk about is taking initiative to reach out to them and ask them how they're doing. You don't have to have a full-on text conversation. It could be a phone call for that matter. But um, if, you are, if you're the one to actually be intentional with those relationships and you reach out to them or know how they're doing, my, one of my friends, for example, always knows our birthdays. He puts it in his calendar and he knows when it is our birthday. So every time our birthday comes around, he'll text them and he'll be like, Hey man, happy birthday. Or Hey girl, like happy birthday. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And you're like, how do you, how do you, and they'll send it early in the morning before you would see like a Facebook notification or something. But it's like, you know, my birthday, it shows you care and you want to reach out to me. Like you listen to these things. And he's someone that I look up to as someone that leads a really good example of what it means to be a friend to others. And we could, I, I mean, I could talk forever about it, but the point is like, be someone who takes initiative and steps out to be intentional with your relationships. Don't be passive in them. Don't just assume that things are great. You never know what people are going through. And if you could be a light in their life, um, take advantage of that, move, move towards that. If God's calling you to do those things, like step into that. So, uh, kind of moving on from there, we see Samson basically move into isolation right? Mm -hmm. He was living at home. Then he was with the Philistines. Then he went back home. But like progressively as he's kind of gone on this downhill cliff of just choosing to be disobedient one to the, to the, um, to the relationship he had with God and to his, his, um, Nazarite vow. Nazarite vow. Thank you. Um, you see that there's just this downfall to where he basically just finds himself alone now. Like, is there, Mm -hmm. is there truth there, Stefan, to our sin causes isolation in our life? 100%. 100%. I think that when, not I just think, it's just true. Yeah. When you sin and when you're going off the path of what God called you to be, you become distant and you know deep down there's this hole inside of you that you know, man, I should not be where I'm supposed to be. And what we tend to do is we actually sin more. That was smooth. <laughs> Great. So we tend to sin more to fill that hole. Yeah. Um, we tend to fill ourselves with more sin and more bad things so that we, we don't have to cope with the fact that we're not living up to the calling that we're sh- we should be. So do you think it's a fear of being called out that pushes us into isolation because we know we're doing wrong and we don't want to be told that? Yeah, I think so. Something that I really struggled with when I was a kid is my dad was an incredible dad. I think you've met my dad. He's in super, he's super amazing. And whenever I was in trouble or whenever I needed bailing out, he would do it hands down. 
but I never went to him first. Like I never went to him mm. and he would always find out. And then it was always the same lesson of like, why didn't you just talk to me about this? Like I would have helped you. Like, what's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> like I've, have I ever not helped you? Yeah. And I think for me, especially sometimes even in my relationship with God, what I tend to do is I tend to project what I feel like I deserve. Yeah. I deserve to be like someone being mad at me. Mm-hmm. I deserve this and I expect them to act that way and I don't expect them to forgive me. I don't yeah. expect them to treat me well. And in my mind, I create this scenario or this movie in my mind of me being isolated and me being hurt and yeah. me being this thing. But then what I end up doing is I do self-prophecy and I isolate myself and I hurt myself um, and I, I tend to go away from... Um, community and having people pour into me and letting people text me and meet up with others. So it's, it's this weird thing where we're afraid of being hurt by others. So then we end up hurting ourselves so that they don't. <laughs> it's just an endless cycle. It's an endless and cycle. I would also add to that, that I think more often than not, we start to fall into sin. And because we start to fall into sin, we like, let's say for instance, like our group of guys in high school, we had a solid group of dudes there would be times where guys kind of got distant with it, where they just kind of weren't coming to group anymore. They weren't involved with the Bible study and stuff. And a lot of the times it was because they were in an unhealthy relationship where it was usually crossing the boundaries and they were living in sin. And mm-hmm. for them, they knew they were in the wrong, but they they wanted to stay in that sin still. And they just found, themsel- found themselves at like a... a like an ultimatum of like in their mind of like, I can't, I can't be around these guys anymore because I'm, I'm a fraud. I'm a hypocrite. They're going to find out about me and then I'm going to be outcast from the group or I'm just going to be shamed and it's my pride. Um, or I'm just constantly reminded and being told like I need to do these things right, but I just don't want to hear that. And so a lot of, I think a lot of the times when we're starting to like lead into sin, that's what's pushing us away from that community. And that's obviously the enemy fueling that, right? Like he wants to tell us like, you don't, like you're in sin, your friends are going to reject you. They're going to push you away. And so like we get in this like mind battle. And so we start to kind of just distance ourselves from the good influence in our life because we we feel like we're already kind of too far gone. Well, you know what? Honestly, though, being a leader for so long, um, I think you're right. So we, we tend to do that. We isolate ourselves and we were afraid of how people are going to perceive us or they're going to act. We're going to be judged, all yeah. that stuff. I actually think though, People tend to do that because they want it. Mm. They want the relationship that presses the boundaries and they know if I still am with this group, I'm going to get convicted Yeah, and I don't want to be. Yep. I want to party. That's true. I want to drink. Yep. I want to have sex. And if I continue down that way, I'm not going to be able to anymore. And so there's, there's, there's actually, I think a little bit more to, um, what does your heart truly desire? And yeah. you need to create a new craving. There was a few friends in high school specifically that I remember having a conversation with where they quite literally confronted us. They were like leaders in our group. They were studs. They were like examples that we followed. And then all of a sudden they were spending time with the wrong community, the wrong group of people. They were being influenced into things like partying and smoking and sex and all that stuff. And so I remember having an actual, this is an actual conversation that I had with them where they said, we're going to be stepping away from the faith. Like I know you guys are examples, like we know we want you guys to keep doing what you're doing, but we're we're going to be taking a step away from from this group and stuff. And we're like, "Why?" And their example was, "We feel like we've been fed cornbread our whole life. 
and we want a taste of sourdough. And I was like, what? Like, how, how in the world is the book of life cornbread? I'm like, something, something's up in the brain right there. Yeah. But like, I just remember that situation where they basically said what you're saying. Like they wanted it. That and so they was, wanted to separate themselves. That from was the analogy they used. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. And sadly, they're still tasting sourdough. And um, I feel like I could have handled that situation better as a leader because I did call them out. I think for a while there, what I would do is I would say, hey, you're not allowed to you're not be leading these other guys. Like I know what you're doing on Saturday night. Like you got to stop doing that. If you want to be the person that's like praying with people, like, yeah. come on, like you're, you're using faith as a clout thing. Like you're not really using it. And then they decided they got to the point where they didn't want to be convicted anymore. So they just chose yeah. a sourdough. I don't, I don't think that, I mean, are you saying you, you don't think that was the right way to approach it with them? Cause I would say that it is cause Jesus is confrontational with those around him about what the calling is. And he allows us the choice to either step into that, which is the narrow road or the broad road. And I think it's, it's just providing a, a decision, but I think it was healthier because imagine what influence they would have had on the rest of our group. If we would have allowed them continuing that leadership, because then in our way, our eyes, we would have thought, Oh, that's okay. That's cool. They're kind of doing these things. And we're kind of like, you know, there are leaders and we look up to these guys and they're kind of like taking the charge. So, oh, in moderation, like these things are okay. So I feel like that could have like poisoned the group. Kind of like when we talked about back with Gideon and those soldiers and how their impact of their fear and their their pride and their selfishness would have impacted the rest of the team. It was right, but I had such a heart for those guys and yeah. you knew their potential too. <clears throat> and yeah. I think everybody who knows that's listening to this podcast, who these guys are, they're, they were awesome dudes. Yeah. And I think even though it was right, I wish, I just wish they had chosen a different lifestyle. Um, and just looking from the outside perspective, it looks like they're having a, a blast. Yeah. Um, but there's no way that it's fulfilling their heart. There's yeah. just no way. And I just feel for them because I, I honestly think that they've, they're one upping one in one another and they're not being honest about how they're truly feeling. And, um, my heart breaks for them. So yeah. I, I think the way I could have handled things obviously better. I'm not perfect. I'm a human being, Yep. but yeah. yeah, I feel for them. Totally. Well, anyways, kind of moving on from that. Um, we see the Philistines go after, I mean, their, their whole livelihood is destroyed. Right. And they're pissed off about it. So they take a group of them uh, and they go and raid this town called Lehi. I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, yeah. but they go there and they raid the, the, the town. And basically they, the Israelites come out and they're like, why are you doing this? And they said, we're looking for Samson. Mm -hmm. And so the Israelites say, Hey, we're going to go find him for you and we'll bring him to you. And so it says that they got 3000 Israelites to go find Samson. And so they all approached him in his little cleft of the rock and said, Hey, like we need to hand you over to the, to the, the Philistines. And so Samson says, um, only if you don't harm me. And so they're like, all right, we'll just bind you and then we'll send you over to them. And, uh, so that's what they do. And before we get to that part of the story, there's a really good takeaway here about, um, Israel's response to what the Philistines pressure was on them. 
um, and how they handled it. And so I'd love for you to just kind of share a little bit about that. Well, just something that I saw is that there's 3,000 men yeah. that um, corral together to go get Samson. And later on, we see that Samson kills a 1,000 Philistines with jawbone. And if those 3,000 men had just stepped up and fought against the Philistines, they would have overcome them. They outnumbered them three to one. And I think that's something that we need to just remember is when we're feeling um, discouraged or when we're um, feeling pressured mm-hmm. by the world, we outnumber them three to one. We have we have God on our side. We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart. And we don't need to um, back down yeah. to things and hand over things um, or... Um, compromise our beliefs because we're feeling pressure. We can mm-hmm. step up and we can fight and we'll win because yep. we outnumber what's in the world. What What's in us is greater than what's in the world. Yeah. And when you think about it, the like you were saying, they're already outnumbering them. It was a three to one ratio, but there was fear involved. And Samson, as arrogant as he was, was still stepping up against those that were oppressing them. So he was still someone that was standing up for what was right. His methods... And his way he went about things, that's another discussion. But the point is, is that he was stepping up and standing up for what was right. And so the Israelites, instead of getting behind him and being like, hey, like, it seems like this guy has some impact. Like, this dude's this dude's doing some things. Like, maybe we should rally behind him and support him in this. Because ultimately, that's where our freedom's going to be, is, is out of the bondage from the Philistines. But instead, they approached it with fear because they were afraid of the Philistines still. So takeaway there. Who in your circle or who do you know that is standing up for the things that are unpopular in the world right now, things that are getting them hate, getting them um, vile language, getting them um, just attacks over attacks over attacks, sometimes even like death death threats. Who, who do you know that is standing up for the right things that you're not supporting, even though you know it's right, because you're living in fear of what the consequences might be of what they'll do to you? Are you afraid of facing that mockery? Are you afraid of being, quote, attacked for your beliefs, like someone ripping you in the comment section or someone going on your page? Like, are you more afraid of man and what they're going to do to you than like standing up for what is right? Because that's what Samson was doing. He still was Mm -hmm. standing up against them, but the Israelites, they were in fear. And so they decided to just hand over Samson on a plate to them. And Samson was like, I'm still going to do this thing with or without you guys. But the Israelites had an opportunity to be a part of something bigger to conquer the Philistines. Because by the end of this, we learned that it was just, it was just Samson that delivered them from the Philistines. It wasn't like Gideon where he took charge and he brought others around him to conquer them. He did it by himself. And there is an opportunity right now because there's so much spiritual warfare that we're facing in this world right now. Like there is an opportunity for us to get involved and to be a part of the battle. Either way, God's going to work in it. But like you get to choose which side you want to be on. Yeah. And just to go to that. So Samson delivers them later on, but he also has this battle right now where he faces the thousand Philistines with the jawbone. Yeah. And like we know with the Nazarite vow, you're not allowed to touch dead things, dead carcasses, but they grab, he grabs the jawbone and he's holding that dead thing, which would have destroyed the vow. Yeah. He's touching that dead thing. And what this teaches us is that Samson's strength came from God, not his Nazarite vow. And today, um, Jews still believe today that like holding kosher laws, um, eating certain things and not other things. So like abstaining from pig and eating cow, um, eating fish with scales and fins, um, not eating things like shrimp that 
um, you know, dead things on the bottom of the ground. That gives you more spiritual weight. Like you are more spiritual if you eat kosher. Fascinating. But no, it doesn't. God gives you your strength, period, yeah. end of story, not yeah. what you eat. And, and, and all things are made clean. And, and Jesus makes it very clear that all things are made clean. It's not what you eat that gives you spiritual strength. It's God who gives you strength. It's yeah. not going to church that gives you strength. God gives you strength. Going to church is great. Having community is great. Having a neighborhood is great. Praying and reading your Bible is great. But God is what gives you strength. There's going to be seasons in your life where you're down, you haven't been reading, you didn't have prayer, but you're only making it through because of God's strength. Yeah. Not because of the spiritual things that you do or all that different stuff. God's strength is the only reason that we survive and that we live and that we conquer things. It's God's strength, not anything that we do on our own. Yeah. And Samson, in this situation, you see that the the spirit of the Lord overcame him, right? That gave him strength and he conquered all of them, literally with a single jawbone, which is an absolute absurdity. Um, and then he leaves and he needs water, right? Like we're talking about this idea of weakness. And what I kind of got from this is no matter how strong you think you are in your faith, at the end of the day, there's still a flesh that's attached to us. Like we still are weak. And that's what fasting is all about, right? It's this idea of depriving yourself of the things that our flesh needs to, to remind us that only God can give us the true bread of life, that, um, that we're going to have to battle this flesh and there's going to be desire that comes out of us naturally because of who we are and sin nature. Um, but no matter what, like, our strength only comes from God. And even in those high moments where we're like at, let's say like church camp or we're, you know, on fire, we go to a conference and we leave and we're on fire for the Lord and we're stoked and we're, we're out there and we're doing ministry. There's going to be times where that kind of fades. It's not there anymore. That, that high is not there and there is still weakness in us. And that just proves all the more that we need God every single step of the way, not just in the high moments, but especially in the low moments. Cause even when we think, cause we're going to see throughout this whole thing that Samson is this prideful, arrogant dude. That's like, I have been chosen by God and I have the spirit of the Lord and I'm an absolute unit. And so he just this every step of the way, he's never worried about anything because he's like, God's going to take care of me. And we're going to see the downfall of that. But like his arrogance and thinking that he was strong enough for anything that came to him just proved right here that he was weak and his strength that he thought he had wasn't enough to, to save him. And he still needed God to come through for him. Yeah. And just bringing this up and this can just be our last point. We'll end it. We usually say this is our last point. We say five more. Well, <laughs> this will be it. Don't worry. <laughs> One more thing. Um, but he, he conquers all these Philistines. He, he battles them. And it kind of just reminds me, so there, there's a sermon by this guy Spurgeon, and he talks about how- Charles like, Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, and he talks about how you can look at all your sin, the heaps and heaps of sin that you've overcome, and the heaps and heaps of battles that you've won, and all this. And Samson's looking at all the stuff that he had just done and conquered, but yeah, he had a new challenge in front of him. We're always going to have challenges yeah. for the rest of our lives. You might not be battling a porn addiction anymore, but there's still going to be something that you need God's strength. You need God to intervene and crack open the rock so that water flows so you're revived. You're going to need that. And um, the, the sin that I was facing in high school is not the sin I'm facing today, and I'm thankful that it's less and the things that I struggle with is less and less and less as I, as I go, um, as I pursue Christ. But you're always going to have a battle in front of you. 
every single day you're going to have to lean on on the Lord's strength and you're going to have to lean on God to um, provide a miracle for you to um, press through. Amen, brother. Love it. All right, guys. Well, we hope you loved this episode. If you did, leave us a review just really quick. Drop those stars. We would mean it would mean the world to us. We would appreciate you so much. But other than that, uh, make sure you share this with your friends. Let them know about this podcast and that they could be a part of it, that they can learn from it too and grow along with us as we're reading these chapters. Um, you guys can read this stuff with us. This isn't just for us to read and just share to you guys. We want you involved. So get involved. If you're not following us on social media, check us out at Ask Us Why with two Ys on Instagram or just ask us where for our shop page. Check out our, our website at askuswhyshop.com. And regardless of all those things, We still love you and we want you to be part of the community. And with that being said, we hope you have a great weekend. We love you and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace out.